Hello and welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. We're back again. We're always back again. It comes around very, very quickly. But who have we got on the pod today? Connor, you're back. Our spring chicken is back in town. How's it going? How was your, how was your second date? Was it better than date one? Uh, yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, I keep rolling around. Can't keep up with all these women. No, it, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, no, it was good. Thanks. But yeah. Good. Okay. Okay. Well, one day they might realise that you do a podcast and listen to this and be. Oh no! They complete they player. Ah, oh, they already know. They already know. But you know, as as I'm an Oxford United supporter, and they clearly aren't. They couldn't give to be insert a swear word there. Yeah. So, well done. You know, you know, keeping it PG. Good stuff. Okay, John, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, just enjoying Connor's uh, <laughs> tales of Connor's love life, living on the edge there. But yeah, we're all good. <laughs> Lovely. And Jack, you're back this week. How was your How was your break? Yeah, it was all right. Nice to uh, get up north and see the parents, and generally uh, have a wander around York. Yeah, very nice. Happy days. Okay, so we've got another oh, uh, busy, busy pod I'm today. Just... Uh, sorry, Connor. What was that sigh about? Sorry, I was. I was... I'm just jealous whenever any of you guys talk about York. I just, just miss the place a little bit, you know. It's all right. Sort of, one day when you're older, I'm just feeling it. you get to like pick where you want to live. <laughs> when, you've, when you've grown up and you've flown the nest. Yeah. I have flown the nest. I'm not being funny. I'm, I'm furthest away from the nest than ever I've been. Thanks for that, Connor. In uh, sunny Belfast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bit- Busy pod. Uh, so there's a little bit of news to go through. We'll talk about the Sunderland. Sunderland feels like a million like years ago now. Anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll wrap up what happened at Pompey. Uh, we'll talk about what went on across League One this weekend. We'll preview the Hayes and Yedding game next Saturday. And then we'll, we've, in panic, have pulled together some on this day and last pick stuff. And we'll do a quick quiz at the end, which we've had someone uh, submit for us this week so that should be interesting but let's move on to the news news john you are our trevor mcdonald this week <laughs> good evening good morning to manor news here we go well, relatively snow, sl- snow. <laughs> there we no go. News. <laughs> the the news, news reader has gone, gone in the first few seconds. Um, slow news week is what I was going to say. Uh, the big thing was Zaki being announced as the new vice chairman, which I think we'll all agree is very welcome and puts in some more sort of on the ground feel about the structure to the club with Tiger obviously being the chairman, but being a bit sort of distant and drifting in and out at times might be unfair, but I think that's a welcome move. Yeah. Um, he's going to focus on much more on the commercial. Uh, Zaki is going to focus more on the commercial side of things, um, continuing the push around the infrastructure, looking at the training ground, trying to resolve the stadium. So he expanded a bit more on the fans forum during the week. And a lot of it was, again, his what he said in the past about long-term focus, engaging more with the community, the next generation type of things. He didn't move on anything tangible with the stadium. And I think we probably need to just let them get on with it for a while because it, it's going to be a... It's going to be a long process. But he did say one thing which I I picked out, which was really quite welcome, was that he said if we did move to a new stadium, the club would own it 100% and they wouldn't allow it or it to be facilitated by a a third party, which is very welcome. Because um, for those that have been following 
Sheffield Wednesday and Derby's controversies around their stadium because they, they've effectively bought the stadium from themselves, i.e. they've sold, the club has sold the stadium to the club's owner. So the owner then has control and retain over that. And that's come put, put them under fire around some of the EFL's profit and sustainability rules. And in theory, you could be left high and dry with a, an owner who could leave or, you know, hold you to ransom over your stadium. And we all know what that's like. Yeah. So... I think that was quite a key thing to um, to draw out from that. He talked about Thor here. He kind of glossed over it, really, was my interpretation. Didn't really change much in terms of the, the strategy. But, oh, no, it's it's really good news. And I assume we're all on the, the Zaki love train. Yeah, I think as well, the Thor here thing, I think you mentioned it in the last pod, that I, I expect him to just appear from behind a bush when stadium stuff progresses uh, to inject a bit of uh, monies. We had that kind of loose uh, comment from the Oxford Mail, didn't we, saying that they expected him to still be involved in some capacity, but they didn't say what that capacity was. So, But yeah, Zaki is a nice bloke, and he seems to be very open and honest and seems pragmatic in in his approach. So, yeah. No, he yeah he's also very engaging on Twitter as well, isn't he? So, a lot of, you know, he replies to a lot of fans, and I think that's a, an important role he facilitates. Yeah, I think he... I think there's, it's great to have these experts on the board in different areas but it's been a bit sort of murky until now so Zaki is a clear sort of on the ground chairman I think works well uh, other news some bits and bobs on the squad Brannigan injury looking like he'll be back for Ipswich which is great but I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll get an update on that this week as, as we come Cadden apparently broke down in training but only a minor breakdown and they think he'll be back for Hayes but obviously we're in need of defenders which we'll touch on in in due course the only other bit of news to mention, which is just relevant to opponents coming up in MK Dons, they've sacked Paul Tidsdale and replaced him with Russell Martin. And he's quite wow. a, I think it's his first job in management. So whilst they've got a month before they play us, we play them um, to bed in ideas and so on. Um, certainly could be, I'm not sure it's a, it's probably falls in the gamble category, but, but who knows? But other than that, that's the news. How long was Tidsdale at Exeter? A long, long time. It was a long time, he wasn't was, it? He was, he was forever longest serving manager for a point after others, and then Ainsworth, I think, is the one that's now the longest yeah. serving. Yeah. So yeah, he got he got that accolade this week, didn't he? Yeah. So I think Ainsworth. it's an interesting one, but I think Paul Tidsell's got a good reputation, will no doubt pop up uh, somewhere else. There we go. Football time. Right, so so I'm still I'm still waiting for Alan to do his R. I'm not yeah, there yet. Bring back Alan. Bring it. back Alan. <laughs> I, I found my, I found myself listening to the podcast last week, walking to the train station in the morning, just, and uh, when it and just going ah to myself, just, walking down the street, and I was like, oh no no, hang on a minute, I was yeah, like, that's been cut plugging out, the gap. Anyway, as oh. I said, Sunderland, the Sunderland game feels like yonks ago now, but anyway, uh, so we went into uh, the game. Five changes for us, two enforced, uh, Cadden and Brannigan injured, as kind of John's talked through a bit. Um, and then Massinho, Sykes and Mackey dropped to the bench. So Long, Elliot Moore, Baptiste, Robbie Hall and Matty Taylor came in. I guess thoughts on the lineup is probably a good place to start because this, when it actually came round, I was suddenly extremely nervous. And looking at the team, I was, I was pretty happy, but I didn't think... Um, Fossu, obviously, I was expecting maybe him to get a bit of a rest, um, but people expecting much different. Connor, what were you thinking? 
I, I looked to be fair, when I first saw the team, I was surprised, happily surprised that Fosu kept his place again, like you were saying, how perhaps he could have invested. I mean, it's it's one of those things, isn't it, where you, you do want your best players on the pitch, I think, for this for this stage in the competition. And clearly, KR went down that route of, you know, going with basically the best available eleven, I would I would suggest with injuries, etc. Um I was pleased to see Hall start and I'm certainly going to sing a few little praises of Hall, actually, a bit later on when we talk about the game, because I thought we had a good game. But I was happy with the squad. Okay. Uh, so Sunderland started the game very well, which kind of add, added to people's nerves. And they looked a very good kind of composed footballing side, and they took control of the ball, had multiple crossing opportunities early on, but they didn't flood the box, which meant we were kind of clearing it under little pressure. <laughs> Uh, they more- um they not to interrupt they they changed their formation just for that game so they went three five two when I'm doing the preview and be like oh yeah definitely four two three one mm-hmm. and then they went straight to well to three or five at the back whichever way you look at it which is compliment to us but I guess it would allow you to flood the midfield early on and I guess we guess didn't it didn't adapt really in that game yeah but I thought that was very yeah. interesting. It's worth calling yeah, that out, actually, because when we countered, that became very apparent in terms of how they were structured. There was just massive gaps on either side. And when we ended up scoring, that was the case. Sorry, Connor. Yeah, K- KR mentioned uh, mentioned that, didn't he? I think at the end of the game about them sort of springing that that change with the formation and their shape, etc., on, on, you know, on us on Tuesday. Um, mm. you know, the, obviously, options had not prepared to face again, you know, face that particular system. So I think actually, yeah, credit where credit's due, particularly in the first half anyway, with the way we played, because we did play very well in the first half, as, you know, James, you can carry on and yeah. tell us. Jack, were you listening or were you watching? Uh, how yeah. Did you fe- how nervous were you early on? Um, yeah, I found a stream, which worked quite well. Um, it, it was one of those games, I was happy we made the changes, I think, to be honest, and we'll touch on this later, I think Cadden and Brannigan getting a bit of a rest might be a bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, but yeah, I, I did notice quite early on that Sunderland lined up differently to what we'd all expected. But actually, I thought we adapted quite well. Um, and obviously, we'll go on to it in a minute. But we yeah. seemed to change our game plan to play on the counter. And um, obviously, that's where our goal came from. Yeah. So, Elliot Moore... Um, got caught out. So the first time Sunderland really did create a clear opening, um, McNulty, who's a seems like a bit of a chubby little chap. Um, <laughs> he's, on lo- he's on loan from Reading, so it's fine. Falling anyway. biscuits. <laughs> uh, so he got he got played clean through. The ball kind of just went in behind Moore, lost his man, um, and then he kind of hit the outside of the post. And then a few seconds after that, uh, we kind of break up the pitch with Hall moving on to Matty Taylor, who moves it on to James Henry, and the ball eventually falls to Fosu in the box. At the time, I had my laptop on the, streaming the game, and I was in my kitchen. I was just shouting, shoot! <laughs> I just wanted him to hit it first time, but he cut back across the defender, kind of almost lost the ball, laid it back to... He was looking for James Henry, and if he says he wasn't, he's lying. Um, <laughs> and then the ball just... It's, I think Robbie Hall wasn't even in the shot of the camera, initially so it just looked like he was laying it back and you were like please can a yellow body just appear in the sight of the camera and then luckily enough it was Robbie Hall who just kind of swept a great finish from the edge of the box into the far corner that's his first goal for two years as it was kind of widely 
kind of communicated and KR said he was on his way back to his best after the game. But John, what do you think about it? I I, I agree that he definitely wasn't in the shot and you can almost see the Sunderland player who was on the edge of the box or slightly back, brain start to whir and go, oh no, <laughs> should have moved. <laughs> and that and that went in. Um, I, I think it's, it's good to see this switch up in the level of Hall's performance and jumping slightly to Portsmouth again, he's played well there. And um, I think it's, I mean, we all love Robbie Hall. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, but it would be getting to the point where what's his role in the season? Are we, are we carrying him and too much of the season will pass for him to have much of an impact? And, he does seem to have stepped it up a level in terms of lasting and sustaining himself through the game, but obviously adding goals. And he has that ability to sort of just drop a shoulder and, and put a shot in or anything. So I think it's a welcome time for him to hit this space as you know the team's having a few injury challenges. So I, I think I agree with KR on that. Yeah. Connor, you were going to make a point. Yeah, yeah I think he, oh, he looked so much sharper against Sunderland. I just... The way, like, I don't know if, I think we we've, uh, spoke about this at the beginning of the season where yeah. he looked really sluggish, didn't he, at the beginning? And he, and he almost looked so far off the pace and he looked himself, he looked slow. Mm. And I thought, actually, at Sunderland, or against Sunderland rather, he was, he looked so much quicker. Like, generally, his, his sprinting, he was faster, he was better on the ball. And so his his, his goal was taken extremely rap, uh, extremely yeah. well. And I think, you know, he should get a lot of credit for that because that's no that's no easy finish. Because you know that was a crowded, crowded bodies in front of him, and he managed to get it. You know, literally whip it right into the corner. And yeah, I, I agree with John. I, I think it would be good to see him. You know, I don't quite think he's ever going to reach sort of his 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 best form. I don't think. Um, I think he perhaps might be. I don't know. I think he might be past it a little bit with a lot of the injury problems he's had. But yeah. we'll see. And if he can sustain some sort of uh, some sort of form. Then obviously that's welcomed because, like you're saying, with with injuries and suspensions, etc., going forward, he's a great player to have in the squad. Yeah, yeah. I think until we get a, a, he gets a sustained run of minutes and we see him going into tackles, not shying away from stuff. I'm not saying he was before, but that's in people's minds, yeah. isn't it? That he's going to shy away. He's not going to, um, you know, put on his rocket boots and be shifting around just because he's at risk of. Is it his knee that he's got the problem with? I think it's his knee. But yeah, it's anyway, let's hope um, he continues to play well. I think, th- to be fair, and we'll, we'll, we'll summarise the game as a whole, it wasn't really a game for anyone, any of our players to actually shine in. We played pretty crap, <laughs> which is great yeah, because yeah, we got we, the win. So yeah. the fact that he was clinical when he needed to be clinical, um, apart from falling over once when he got himself into a good position, he was, uh, you know, that's all he needed to do. I don't think it was a game where anyone was anyone shone particularly, but... Anyway, back to the celebrating the goal. Uh, I mentioned this on the WhatsApp group, but my missus, I, I think I t- took a screenshot of my missus' uh, message to me because I was, like I said, I was in the kitchen. I was trying to multitask. But when that went in, I just scree- I just jumped around screaming. And my missus was upstairs trying to put one of the kids to bed. And uh, she thought <laughs> I was getting attacked. And so she, she sent me a text, then came bowling down the stairs going, what's wrong? I was like, oh, nothing. We just scored. It's all right. Anyway, so that sounded like a turkey. I think uh, I probably would have given people a heart attack in, in my place because I was screaming my nut off on that when we scored that first goal. <laughs> um, honestly, I was I was so happy to see that hit the back of the net. I don't know what. Like, obviously, I celebrate every Oxford goal, but I proper went for it yeah. when Robbie all sat that in the corner. Absolutely, 
Uh, we then kind of pressed on. Baptiste showed some kind of great quality to create some space. He kind of dragged the ball back, got away from two of their players, created a shooting opportunity for himself, but did a classic. It's kind of how I play football. We just swiped and just missed the ball completely and fell over in the process. <laughs> but uh, it was such a shame because he, he was having a really, really bizarre game, Baptiste. And maybe we'll talk about that when we get into the second half because he had another chance. But he was... He was very casual at times, but also very good at other times. And I just couldn't work him out. And there was even people debating that in our chat saying, oh, Baptiste, man of the match so far. And others were going, he's definitely our worst player on the pitch. But anyway, uh, Sunder went down the other end. Uh, they had their best chance um, of the half. So Max Power, I'm not going to sing the Simpsons song, although I always <laughs> want to. Uh, but he missed an absolute chicken dinner. And if you don't know what a chicken dinner is, you do now that it just got laid back to him and he just I thought it was in it looked like it was in from the TV camera angle but luckily for us he missed that mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so in summary of the first half whilst we were 1-0 up my kind of take on it was that certain players weren't managing the occasion particularly well kind of loose passes all over the place Baptiste was particularly guilty uh, and unforced errors were kind of all all over the place as well and I wasn't feeling confident going into the second half and I was just I spent the whole of half time just been well just nerves flying through me is that a fair assessment do we think John what do you reckon I I think it is I was listening to it and it just got the sense of it that we felt quite disjointed and not particularly of the usual kind of this is how everything's going to going to work maybe that might be Brannigan coming out of the team and Baptiste not quite knowing his role as well and obviously being a bit younger so he's going to do the the brilliant the sublime I think he's his general casualness can be put down to his playing style just super casual but I think we all felt there was an inevitability yeah about the second half yeah Jack same thoughts from you yeah I think we the last 10 minutes of the first half we just seemed a bit edgy I don't know if that's what I alluded to earlier in that we seemed to try and play on the counter a bit um we never really dominated the game and as John said it might be the absence of Brannigan and the fact that Baptiste was up against Ledbitter um yeah, yeah you, you could just tell how the second half was going to go with a little bit of predictability. That's that's a good point to make because have, we haven't really referenced the quality that Sunderland have and the money that they will have spent to acquire the squad that will have been playing against us. So it's a good point to mention Ledbetter. Uh, and we can we can definitely discuss that fact when we talk about Will Grigg <laughs> absolutely. On. So going into the second half, our kind of first main chance of the half fell. Well, the first main chance in the game um, for the second half fell for us and it was a great counter from us. Fosu kind of plucked the ball out of the air with just the sexiest touch. They had a kind of Sunderland player on his back and he just managed to drag it round him and then drive into the Sunderland half. He played it to Matty Taylor on the left wing. He swept the ball into the box towards Jamo Henry who kind of worked it in a tight space to Baptiste. He kind of drove into the centre of the box. Bobbling ball. You think that's got to be 2-0. And he connects really well this time, but unfortunately, it's just too close to the keeper. But it was a great move. Did anyone else notice that touch from Fosu? Connor, do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty filthy, wasn't it? it was disgusting. <laughs> it was yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah, it's just it's just I I just I love the bloke now. I, I kind of have a little bit of a you know soft spot for him. Just he's just so entertaining to watch. You're gonna get a poster and <laughs> I've got I've got an Oxford United poster to be fair, but. It hasn't got a fossil on it, unfortunately, but I'll, I'll get one with him. I'll get it perfectly made. 
just the Oxford badge. It's the big, That's big cool. Oxford badge. Blue tack or white tack? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, blue tack, and it faces directly out my window. So people who are in the flats across from me look straight through, and it's right there. So you know, not that anyone will know what that badge <laughs> is around here, but I like to think they do. So after that chance, uh, we kind of approached the 60th minute or so and we really started to run out of steam and you could see it. And again, the, it was kind of inevitable that they were going to um, eventually be able to kind of nick a goal. Uh, there was a moment where Sunderland eventually kind of just pulled over a hor- kind of a horrible cross shot that kind of Eastwood did really well to clear, it kind of hit, seemed to hit like the post or the bar and then just get deflected out for a corner. Then a few minutes later, they did actually get their goal from a corner. Again, it was a really scrappy, shitty goal. Uh, McNulty, who obviously missed um, a chicken dinner earlier. James, can you can you curve your language, please? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Connor. <laughs> but yeah, but no, it was definitely it was an awful goal to concede, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was such a frustrating goal. I mean, you could see it. You could see it coming. Um, like, like we say, Sunderland certainly had the better of the second half, and it it was inevitable. I thought that they were going to get one, and they, as they did score, they looked on the front. They sort of carried on the momentum, didn't they? And it was a little bit of, uh, as the as the phrase goes, a little bit of squeaky bum time. I think. Yeah, the frustration with the goal as well was that Matty Matty Taylor kind of swiped his leg at the ball, and then it just kind of glanced off it, and then straight to McNulty. So there was a couple of chances earlier on as well to clear to get rid it, of it. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? Screw it. No, it doesn't. Um, McNulty then, yeah, missed another chicken dinner, his third one. Uh, this time it was at the fence end. <laughs> and it was that weird moment where the time kind of stopped and he was stood around the penalty spot and he kind of just placed it. It just looked like he just tapped it wide. Uh, but then they got a corner and I couldn't work out if it was a great save or a great block or a crap shot. Jack, do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought it was a great block, Possibly by more, but um, I know someone on the the WhatsApp group um, put a video and said what a save by Eastwood. Um, having watched the video, I still can't decide what it was, but <laughs> it didn't go in the goal, so that's all that matters. Yeah, Luke O nine came on for Sunderland uh, around that time, and I don't think I've seen a player make such an impact <sighs> as he did in a long, long just... time. Whether it be his horrible Rory Delap-esque throws or his... I was just about to say that. Yeah, his gangly kind of wing play. He looked... He was quite a tall fella, to be fair, but I just... He was just on the ball constantly. And I think Sam Long, who, you know, obviously he's, there's the whole the build-up, his his family were in the Sunderland end and that, and he was brought up as a Sunderland fan. I think he was having a torrid time getting into that second half. But he still... He had, had a, still had a pretty good game regardless, but... He was a general pain in the ass. Was Mister O nine? Um, he did I think it. I think they they made a very sensible decision bringing him on when they did because, you know, Long was Long had a good game, but you could see that he was tiring a little bit. And you know, O nine kind of gave him the run around a little bit, didn't he? <laughs> when he came on, yeah. So eventually, uh, Mister O nine made his way into the box after a one two, and he was brought down absolutely fairly by uh, Sam Long. Uh, <laughs> did we dwell on this decision? I was absolutely 100% convinced uh, the ref was going to point to the spot. I don't know what you're talking about. It was never a <laughs> John, John no, what was, was your view? Yeah, was so I thought it was a pen. It was, it was one of those that falls into, <laughs> if it happens on the part of the pitch, it's a foul. And 
it's Sam Long. You can see him trying to do everything that defenders do now to try and show that they didn't make an attachment. But the guys made sure he was hitting the right place. And yeah, it's just part of the game now. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I all think we you, need to say. You'd be you'd be absolutely livid if that was against yeah. you. Like if that was an Oxford player going into the box and being fouled like that, you'd be livid. So I think the uh, I think the term is stonewall. I mean, yeah. It, it's a penalty every day of the week, isn't it? Apart from last week. So. The ref had Good. the ref was in the side. You know, there was like a replay angle. You could just see the ref like right next to it. Great view of it. He was kind of already shrugging it off before he'd gone down. It was great. Um, <laughs> oh well. So we went on to um, went on to pens, and uh, you know, whilst we lost that uh, shoot out in the super duper tin pot surprise trophy the other week we've got a pretty good record in pens in recent times as ben informed us the other week so auto windscreen trophy to be fair (laughs) at this point um i was pretty i didn't really you know i thought they probably edged the game well they definitely edged the game based on the second half and i thought anything we get here is a bonus as well because of that penalty decision and um was going into it with a pretty open mind but we absolutely all of our pens were great Fossu who kind of needed a wheelchair when there was like 20 minutes left <laughs> kind of went up and just stroked in a, like a tap that went 100 miles an hour it, into the top corner his penalty was unbelievable yeah. I couldn't believe it when I was watching it I like just walked up to it just slots one straight in the top bins like just so casually the most, class. the most nervous I was. I don't know if anyone agrees with this. Is that we brought Moose on with like four seconds of the game left <laughs> in normal time, and I was just yeah. convinced. I was like, imagine the pressure of being brought on with four seconds left, not touching the ball, and then just being expect, you know, expecting to knock the penalty in because he looked nervous as well when the camera panned <sighs> to his face. I don't know, Jack. What, what were you scared? <laughs> well, when I saw the board go up, I thought, what on earth? are we doing? And I realised, oh, he's taken a few penalties for us and scored. But it just reminds me of that situation. I think it was it Holland a few years ago did something similar. So they took off their own goalkeeper and brought their penalty saving specialist yeah. on and he was just useless. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, yeah, in an Oxford United way, you expected Moose to kind of trip over and tickle the balls of the keeper or something. But to be fair to him, he absolutely leathered it and there's no stopping, stopping it at all. Yeah. Yeah, Connor, you wanted to mention Mr. Grigg. We've kind of jumped around a bit in terms of how the penalties were taken, but how much yeah, was he? I mean, four mil? Yeah, I heard it was four million. Yeah, I mean, just uh, you couldn't write it, could you? You just couldn't write it. Steps up, hasn't you know? He hasn't had the best of records since joining Sunderland, and sticks it so far into the into the Oxford Mail stand. What an absolute joke of a penalty that was! But I I loved it. I mean, funny when I watched that, I was going, you know, the, the stereotypical "way." It was one of them, but it was extremely loud in my in my room when he stuck that over the bar. So yeah, I love it. I love it when players are worth so much, you know, they're worth so much money and so much hype around them, and then they can't even score from twelve yards. Yeah, so that was class. And then Eastie eventually is the hero again. Who did he say from yeah. McNulty? McNulty, yeah, another chicken. That dinner. was the um, another Wayne one. Brown uh, had an involvement with that, I think. They said that Eastie was looking at him for each penalty, pointing which way to go. And uh, yeah. Brown had noticed that Manolta's last penalty was different to all his others. So he was he was desperately trying to get Eastie's attention, saying dive to what your left, because Eastie was planning to go right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, obviously it proved it worked, proved uh, the job. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was a good save, but it was a pretty bang average penalty as well, wasn't it? You know, it was a, it wasn't exactly yeah. right in the corner or anything. So no, no, don't take any credit away from from Eastwood. It's a good save, but you know, McNulty didn't really have the best of games, yeah. did he? No, no, lay off the biscuits, pal. <laughs> um, <laughs> In terms of so good scenes at full time, loads of great videos, obviously from a fan's perspective, be it that you're always going to have a load of people recording the penalty shootout. So that was awesome. Um, reaction in general, KR was very uh, open and honest, again, with his kind of assessment of the game. It kind of We've kind of referenced it already, but he said that we're very poor today. That's the worst we've played in a while. We looked leggy at times, which is understandable. Um, and we didn't move the ball as he liked. But he said the players have generally been brilliant. Six play. He's doing this a lot where he's reeling off the names of people that are injured. I wish he'd kind of drop it a little bit, but I understand why he's making the point. Um, officials way below par that he said, and he, he called that out from both perspectives as well, saying that Mr. Parkinson would be doing his nutting on the back of the, um, the official's performance. But yeah. He said that the assistant referee must have had it in for me as well, is what <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. KR said. He said he was ignoring yeah, catch, him. So, yeah, I did catch on the on the commentary that uh, Robinson kind of had a little bit of a stare down with him during during the second half, like with the with the fourth official, which I thought was quite interesting. That's nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, being in the he was asked the question of like what does it what does it mean to the club being in the in the draw for the quarterfinals? And he made the point of saying that it helps us to kind of engage with the next generation of football fans um, and kind of reach out a bit further in the community to get people involved with the club, which is great. Uh, and then he made the point a couple of times in multiple interviews about how, and I've heard it again on the, was it on the fans forum or something, um, that Oxford City let Sunderland go and train on their pitch and I don't, I don't give a crap about that. I don't, yeah, I don't, Zach, I don't Zach, get it. He made exactly the same point and seemed to sort of infer that it was a slight against the Oxford community. It was a point like we all need to stick together. And I swear when we go to the Northwest, we train at clubs. Maybe it's not in the same league, I, I suppose, but we do it all the time. And what's it's really not, if we're getting concerned about details like that, we really should just be focusing on our, on our own game, really. Yeah, I think the gist of it was um, we helped them lay lay their new pitch and all their facilities, so it felt a bit off to for them then to help our opposition. I mean, personally, I've got no problem with it, but that seemed to be the general theme: was we paid for your pitch, don't let our opposition use it. Maybe mm. they um, spread anthrax all over the pitch or something as they're warming up, and it just didn't pay off. Anyway. KR said he went to um, the Liverpool and Arsenal game. It's not uh, like peeing on the pitch is sort of a good luck thing or a bad luck. <laughs> Anthrax is serious. is a serious business. Well, I'd just I mean, like to say it, that that did not happen. It, it, it clear, if, it did, if it did happen, then it clearly affected McNulty and Grigg. So, you know, fair play. <laughs> yeah, KR made the point say he was going to the Liverpool-Arsenal um Cup game, which was on the Wednesday night, and that was a decent game. It ended five all, so he went there as a fan, took his little girl. I think he said so. That was good. Anyway, quarter final draw. We did a couple of polls uh, once we knew who all the teams were, asking who people wanted. Um, 
so we kind of said if we were going to get one of those northwest teams away who would you rather have man city was four percent everton 16 percent man united 28 and liverpool 52 percent and then we said all the teams together that most people wanted colchester they wanted that easier passage through um to the semis and then uh yeah i think where were you guys at jack who did you want uh, anyone but Man City at home was my general feeling <laughs> because obviously we played them last year in the same competition and having seen the side that Liverpool put out I'd have actually quite fancied us to beat them or anyone at home however seeing the side that Man City put out um, well never mind yeah Connor yourself I really wanted Liverpool away that was what I wanted because I was going to swim the, the Irish Sea to go and watch it Um <laughs> But it wasn't to be, and like like so, Jack. I was I was sat on the train, um, just on the way to work, listening to the to the draw on on BBC Radio Two, and I was so gutted when we drew Man City. Like I know that so many people on on Twitter are having this debate and saying like, oh, don't be so ungrateful about you know it's a big team, it's a home draw, whatever you know, bring bring the crowd in. It's just such a shame that it had to be them because we played them last season again in the same competition, and it's just yeah. a bit. It's just a. It's just a tad. I don't know. For me personally, it's a tad boring. Like I like to see, I like to see our Oxford badge against you know another team from another league that I haven't seen for a while. So you know we haven't played Man United, Liverpool, Everton for. Well, I, I can't remember the last. I don't think I've ever seen us play against them. Yeah. So I would have loved to have seen that personally, but you know, is what it is. John, I'm, I'm still back. I'm still backing us to beat Man City. Oh, I wanted Liverpool just to see Connor attempt to swim here from a Belfast. <laughs> he definitely wouldn't have followed through on. Um, no, no, definitely not. I mean, I would have died probably ten minutes in from. from you could from have got a, a decent, a decent lilo, and then you might have been all right. Yeah, I think once my anger against yeah. Jane McDonald for banging on about her cruise ship, or whatever, before the draw, turned into even more rage at how disappointing it was. I'd have quite fancied a, an Everton or a Villa away, just for a bit of a, you know, a classic away away game. But yeah, I suppose we've got to go with Colchester, and then you could have had a Liverpool away. But yeah, we're all huge disappointed. I think after being punished for having to listen to Radio Two. For an extended period of time, when their time time tunnel feature, I was just about to say that. I was yeah, it made to it, the time warp. It made just it like, oh, please come with it. <laughs> it made it harder to take. But yeah, I was the same. I think Jem put out a tweet that got a lot of interest um, around, basically saying why are people saying this is a shit draw. And I get, yeah, I get where he's coming James, from. James, stop swearing. Shit is For fine. Sake. <laughs> in um, rel- in relative terms. <laughs> in in relative terms though like yeah it was it was the least most attractive fixture i think so it's still a good draw but yeah, it's, not it sounds in, so ridiculous saying yeah. that doesn't it yeah. like, that's the most least attractive one I and mean, it's like arguably like in the top two three teams in the world but you know whatever yeah we'll have them before we move on to Pompey, the one thing it's worth saying about City is they've got such a hectic um, schedule of fixtures in and around when, I think it's week commencing the 16th of December. They have not got a nice kind of fixture list around that period of time. I doubt we do either, but there is a good chance that they will, you know, throw together. I know they can't really throw together a bad team, right? And more so than anyone, but, um, you know, they may make more changes than they would have done otherwise. 
Um, I think they've got Leicester, Leicester away or something after they will be playing us. Yeah, they play Arsenal, Arsenal on the Sunday, us on the Tuesday, Leicester on the Saturday. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they've got bigger fish to fry in that sense. Yeah, so I'll look forward to the semis. Right, another game to review. God. Uh, make it quick. Yeah, so going into the Pompey game, could we extend our unbeaten run to 12 matches? Yes, we can. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Only kidding. Anyway. (laughs) How long have you been setting that one up? That was was spontaneous. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Just pure pure banter from from the top man. Let me just delete the, uh, the note that told me to do it. Anyway, um, we took 1,800 Oxford fans. Well, yeah, 1,800 Oxford fans made the trip, which was great. I think most of them would have taken a point um, before the game. Coming into it, the reason why I think they might have taken a point is because Pompey's form. So they've you kind of can look at this in two ways. They only have one win in their last five games, but they've only got one defeat in seven. Um, can't hold on to wins was their kind of big feature. Uh, but they're mm. only one of three teams in League One yet to lose at home. And I didn't know any of those things going into the game, actually. So when we were giving predictions and stuff before, I didn't actually know that was a thing. I apologise for whoever did the preview and if you said those things, but no. I wasn't aware. <laughs> you didn't, so, uh... But yeah, looking at that in like retrospect, um, it makes the point even more valuable, I think. Uh, I think during the week in the build-up, though, it, it seemed like everyone sort of clocked that the amount of effort and emotion in the brilliant Sunderland result was just going to have a knock-on effect in the next game. It's, it's always tends to be the way. And then as the weather got worse, you just sort of felt this is going to be one where, yeah, we'll just take a point. Yeah. So looking at the lineup, um, who was chomping their Haribo star mix pre-match? I noticed someone <laughs> someone pointed that out on Twitter, which was great. So in the changing rooms, everyone, I didn't. Is that a normal thing, Haribo star mix before a game? Yeah, no. yeah a, bit of a, a bit of a sugar rush. Yeah, okay. Well, also, good. Starmix is definitely the best Haribo, so good choice. Well, you'd know. Anyway. <laughs> why? Oh, because I'm a child, is that why? That's why, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's right, yeah. It's another... I, got it. You're, I got you great banner. Thanks. Thanks, Connor. Anyway, Massinho <laughs> came in for more. Sykes came in for Baptiste. Mackey came in for Hall. And uh, Taylor and Mackey started together and everyone was very excited trying to work out what formation we're playing. But it looked like it was um, a diamond kind of in midfield with Matty Taylor and Mackey playing as a front two. Fosu seemed to be playing in that kind of number 10 position and uh, like initially for, for the game as the game started. But... Yeah, he must have been absolutely shattered. Like, I think a lot of people were surprised that he was starting, but maybe he had a bit of um, a loose training schedule going into the game. But what do people think, Jack? What were your thoughts on the uh, kind of the shape and the and the team in general? Was more unlucky to miss out? Could Moose have moved to midfield? Could Baptiste have come in for Fossu or something like that? Yeah, I mean, the fact that we have to talk about more being unlucky shows how well Massinho and Dickie have played together. So. I'm very much a fan of not changing your back four around too much. Um, would I have left more in? I don't know. It, it, it. I mean, it proved to be right in the end, and obviously we'll come on to it in a minute. Uh, we had to reshuffle quite quickly. I was just yeah. very surprised to see Henry starting in a central role. Um, I thought maybe Shandon might have started, but obviously he played during midweek, so maybe he's still coming back from a bad injury. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, the best bit was the, the two up top, which Robertson hasn't played very often and probably shows how much he's learnt this season as well, that he needs to have a kind of plan B, plan C. So the whole team's evolving, as is his tactics. Yeah, yeah. So before the game kicked off, there was a really poorly managed kind of minute silence ahead of Remembrance Day. I think it's their last home game before um, the 11th. It confused the hell out of the fans and surely you planned that in the right way or the referee remembers to blow his bloody whistle to kind of finish the minute silence. But I was personally fuming. I came across some YouTube video that people have made a bit of noise about on Twitter where Pompey fans were saying, look how dis- disrespectful Oxford fans were you know, blah, 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 blah. They were making noise during the the tribute and stuff like that. But it's like, grow up and stop like creating negative news that's not even news for the sake of it. It really pissed me off. But I don't know if anyone, any of you caught that. Yeah, I watched the video and couldn't really see what the issue was. To be honest, it felt like they were trying to do too much in such a short space of time, like get the military personnel on do the last post, do the minute silence, have some flags, get the players on, da, 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 and they just ran out of time. Yeah. So as yeah, the- I heard the uh, I heard the conditions didn't really help with the, the 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 thing with the flags and stuff. I did hear that was a bit of a caused a bit of commotion. Yeah, nearly lifting off. I think people were saying. Yeah, yeah. So cause my my dad was at the game and uh, he was saying how the winds and stuff were absolutely like horrific. It wasn't really much of a day for football. No. Anyway, there wasn't, yeah, because of that, there wasn't really that much action to talk about, which maybe is a good thing for the length of the pod. But our only real chance first half fell to uh, Sykes. So it was a chance that was kind of ended up being cleared off the line here from the right-hand side of the box. It kind of was cleared off the line, then hit the keeper and then eventually got cleared out. Um, But Jerome got very excited as I was listening in. I'm sure your dad did as well, (laughs) Connor. He did get excited, didn't he? I was listening to it as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. He, he didn't know what the hell had gone on, did he? Like right. when when the lad cleared it, and obviously it hit the keeper in the head, didn't it? Or something, and bounced off, bounced out. He didn't. He didn't know what was going on. But no, it was a nice little, uh, nice little shot from Sykes. I mean, it's. I really want to see Sykes score. Yeah. I just when I actually when I watched it and when I was and when I was listening to it, I was like, go on, Sykesy. Like you know, it's one player that I do kind of want him to get on the score sheet. Got. I say I got a little bit of a soft spot for Sykes, so I kind of wanted to see him score. But good chance, nonetheless. The only other thing of note was that Mackie um, got his kind of head injury. And again, uh, Jerome Sale at times can get emotional and he can't help his kind of bias. But this wasn't so much a bias point. It was that someone's got a head injury and the ref has kind of sweeped it aside as if it's not a thing. And then Mackie starts bleeding from his head. So that was ridiculous. Surely the ref's going to get some kind of talking to on the back of that. Yeah, he must do. I mean, like you say, Jerome was... uh... He was going, he was losing it, wasn't he, on the radio? Yeah. He was absolutely going off his head. And I don't blame him either because it's it's the letter of the law and it's a referee's job, responsibility, to make sure he follows that. And he didn't. So I'd be very surprised if he didn't get a slap on the wrist uh, for that, if not a little bit more than that, actually. Yeah. And then uh, just before half time, Joshy Ruffles was injured in a kind of a 50 50 challenge. Uh, the other guy was booked. He came, he came off for more. And then Long ended up going to left back and Dickey went to right back, I think it was. And then KR suggested yesterday, I think it was, that it looked like it was just a dead leg. But that can be two to three weeks. But hopefully he's back before our next league fixture. Um, John, where's where's Burko at, mate? Where's Burko? Well, he seems to have gone very quiet and he is the 
the main cover. I think we talked about Ruffles at the start of the season and that's sort of gone by the by because he's had such a, a really strong season so far. But we've not got any really sort of substantial cover for him. And I, I wonder whether we had to can looking at extra fullback cover earlier in the season just to get Taylor over the line because it's it's quite an ex- exposed um, situation to be in really. And thankfully we've got this break of games assuming Ipswich gets postponed where if it is only a couple of weeks we might get away with it um but the faith in Burko doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be there I imagine it may have to be um long at left back for the next few games yeah. I suppose we've got the the Timpot games and stuff and in theory the FA Cup you should be able to Burko should be able to come in and handle that but yeah it's a funny one that actually one simple dead leg has exposed a massive um, yeah. squad depth issue, really. But it's Like four subsequent changes on the back of it. But yeah, mm. we moved into the second half. Um, again, scrappy as hell, but eventually Pompey get a goal from a penalty. So Elliot Moore kind of brought down the Pompey player. From the footage in the highlights, it's hard to see how much contact there is, but there isn't. he's not complaining that much afterwards. Um, Gareth, no. Gareth Evans, who popped in a penalty, I think, at Bristol Rovers the week before, converted the, the pen uh, but in general we were defending well Eastwood was making some tidy saves where he needed to he had some good positioning the only real kind of defensive lapse was when uh, Pompey had a goal kick and it seemed to go the whole way through and fell to the Aussie Ryan Williams used to play for us he was clean through um, tried to kind of dink it over Eastwood but it's probably not the right time to be trying that and it just flew over the bar but you could see a big feature and they were making a point on Radio Oxford before the game that Pompey, their main issue has been holding on to leads. They've been in winning positions so many times this season and screwed it up. And at Bristol Rovers last week, they were winning 2-0 until like the 80th minute and ended up drawing the game. So they looked extremely nervous going into kind of the latter stages of the game. We started piling on some real kind of sustained pressure, racking up that corner count that I'm so fond of. Um, and there was uh, one, definitely one kind of like pinball corner as well, where the ball's just kind of ricocheting everywhere. Um, but we do look ineffectual from corners. Like when we get one, I'm kind of like, you're not really ever expecting it, are you? But luckily, luckily, we do end up scoring. So 90th minute, delightful build up, great turn and deep cross from James Henry. And there he was, our little grizzly Oxfordian finding space <laughs> at the back post to head across the goal. Absolute scenes. Uh, one one chance for Matty, one goal for Matty, and that's why we purchased him, isn't it, Connor? Yes, it is. <laughs> I went I went absolutely berserk when that went in. I was so happy that you know we hadn't thrown we hadn't thrown away our our great run, our great yeah. undefeated run. And I know that we're gonna say this later, but I'm gonna do it now. Talk about James Henry and when Matty Taylor compared him to David Beckham because that cross was absolutely delightful, like unbelievable. I mean, if you watch watch the highlight and you watch Matty Taylor, wow, he kind of he keeps in that space between the uh, centre half and the fullback, and you can just you can just see that he's his movement. He knew he knew exactly where that ball was going to be delivered to round the back post. And he just waits and waits and waits. And then obviously Beckham delivers an absolute <laughs> perler to the back stick. And what a great header as well, because, you know, it's a tight angle and it's it, the, it's got a lot of whip on it. And it's come from quite quite a height. So he's done really well to actually, you know, to nod it home, to be fair. I think it was a great header. Um, and, and obviously it was absolute rapture in the away end when it was, it was brilliant. 
yeah, class. It's great for the fans when there's that many fans that go as well to have something yeah. to walk away from. Um, yeah, walk especially away with, at so. Fratton Park because Fratton Park's always been a, a funny one for us. Um, I think we mentioned it in the week last week with uh, the whole um, Alex Melat thing uh, the other year and stuff. And it, it, it's a great place to go to. I, I, I've been to Fratton Park quite a few times and I really, really like it. And I actually have a lot of respect for the Portsmouth fans because they're normally great before the game and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it is a really, as I said, it's a really good ground to go to. And when you do, when, when a goal goes in at that, at that time, it, it's just absolute scenes and it, and it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. So I'm delighted with that point, be it that we've now kind of going into some sort of break with less kind of critical fixtures um, and a potentially, yeah, like a postponed fixture versus Ipswich. So if we'd have lost, it would have been, you know, a tough few weeks waiting for that next league game. Um, so that point, keeping that run going means a lot. Um, John, happy with that point? Yeah, I think it's going to be like a, an act, the point at Accrington that well worth banking. So no, I think absolutely no. After the Sunderland game, I think it's a very good point. Yeah. And Jack, what was the reaction like? I think you might have written some stuff up. Yeah, um, I think KR essentially said he's never celebrated a point like that before. Um, he alluded to, you know, we had our second choice right back playing at left back. Our set was at left back. Um, striker playing off the wing. Henderson, Henry in midfield. Um, and then he said as well, which I was talking to my dad about, Taylor's movement was very similar to his goal at Rotherham obviously the opposite side of the goal, but he just yeah. seems to know when him and Henry seem to know where each other's going to be because Henry's cross, I want this is a big statement, but I think that's the best cross for a goal I've ever seen from an Oxford player um, because he didn't look up. He, he took the ball out wide and just hit it and he knew exactly where Taylor was going to be. Um, fantastic. And then yeah. obviously we've touched on Taylor calling Henry Beckham, but my favourite bit was... Uh, Chris Williams asked Alex Gorin at the end of his interview, saying, uh, "Oh, do you fancy an Estrella?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, definitely, and some paella as well." Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, paella. And pronounced um, it properly as well. Yeah. And then he's got this. Gorin's got this beautiful way of saying the word "buzzing" because he's spent time in kind of Australia. He's at Sunderland. He's been in Scotland, and he is Spanish. The way he says "buzzing," which I'm not going to try and repeat, having just epically failed before. Um, <laughs> Is just beautiful. <laughs> no, it was. Please it try really it. Was. I've, got, uh, I've got a bit of a man crush for for Alex Rodriguez at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think also it was funny when it, I think one of you guys mentioned it about how uh, our our kit sponsor might have something to say about the uh, Estrella comment. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go right. for a singer? Doesn't quite have the same right. same ring, does it? It doesn't. Right, let's look at what happened across League One. Giacolini. Okay, I'll rattle through this as I'm conscious we're going on a bit. Um, so we're now fourth on goal difference. There's three teams on 26 points in the playoffs positions. And uh, we were actually the only side to start a day in the playoffs who won. Uh, so go us. Um, at the we top, didn't win. Though that is true. But it felt like a win, though. There we go. <laughs> at the uh, at the top, Wickham went three points clear. Um, Ipswich didn't play, but stayed second because Peterborough went down four three at Blackpool. Fleetwood managed to lose at Bolton, who are slowly creeping their way back. Uh, Coventry drew at Accrington, and then just outside the playoffs, you've got 
Sunderland, Blackpool and Bristol Rovers all on 25 points. So it's starting to get very congested. Um, down the bottom, as I just said, Bolton got their second win of the season. Um, amazingly, they're now seven points behind South End with three games in hand. And considering they started 12 points behind, um, is mad really, considering how poor South End have been. Uh, MK Dons lost at home and that's that saw Tisdale go and uh, Wimbledon won to come out of the bottom three. So it's getting quite congested everywhere. There's now five points between third and eleventh. Um, and despite our really good run, we're still only a point above ninth. So it's it's, it's very congested. And there's, uh, there's three games Tuesday night, which will have impacts across the table. Um, and obviously it's FA Cup next week, but there are a few games that are uh, all League One clashes. Um, Ipswich-Lincoln could be quite a good game Wickham go to Tranmere it'll be interesting to see if they rest any players or whether they'll you know, give it a go um, so yeah I mean we're we're obviously flying high but everyone else is kind of clinging on no one's really moving away um, so long Yeah, you probably expect Wickham to win that away at Tranmere based on their run and Lincoln haven't kind of click you know they're on a shocking run of form i imagine they drew i think they drew with wimbledon i don't think they lost. yeah wimbledon scored in the last minute um, yeah that's it uh but yeah they've they've got a point to prove at the moment i'm sure map will be pull you know put together a lineup to try and counter ipswich but yeah interesting stuff okay what are we doing we're previewing hayes and yedding now John. So me on me on the preview, and I think let's all stop shuddering at the hearing Hazen Yedding. It's a name from the past. <laughs> I was in my research on them. I I think I found a bit of a bit of a burn on their um, former selves. So they were they Hazen Yedding, the two teams that merged back in 07. I was looking at their website, a bit of their history, and they say on their website. Some of the former players for Hayes, they had Cyril Regis, Les Ferdinand, Jason Roberts. And then it just goes, Heading, uh, Yedding FC have also provided the football world with Andy Impey, Charlie Oatway and DJ Campbell. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> I just DJ thought, Campbell. Because they were... Ri- what a man. <laughs> yeah. And they were rivals. You know, I don't think it was quite Reading and Oxford merging, but... They were rivals, so I just it made me think: is that just a subtle burn on a on Yedding? But but anyway, I also didn't realise that um, Mickey Lewis was their manager in 2016, which must have been after he finished one of his many caretaker spells at at Oxford. But I thought that was a another interesting link. <laughs> but I think we just need to get to um, recalling losing twice to them in the conference. We really don't have the the best record and. Uh, Connor, can you tell me who scored against them for us? Um, sorry, who, was it, who scored was it, against playing for? Was it Chris? Ba- oh no, no, sorry, oh, uh, Steve Basham. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah, that one. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. Steve Basham. It was Steve Basham. Yeah. Um, so yes, he's so he not Chris. We've lost to be confused with Chris Basham. You know, don't, don't, no, no one should no, get, that, that no one should be... ever get that mixed up. That'd be ludicrous. No, I mean that. I mean, there's basic mistakes, and then there's just Does that? you know. There's that. Anyway, um, so they so he's they've been this a few twice in the conference. So we don't have the best record against them, but that's way in the past. So we'll kind of move on from that. Really, they are sort of 18th in the Southern Premier, which is a league below uh, Conference South, if I'm getting that right. Um, 
They're having to play a lot of cup games, generally seem to be winning them, but then they're 18th in that league. So I don't think they're a sort of a high-flying team that should cause us too much trouble. They're playing on Tuesday night as well. And I think um, so not not sort of particularly much to, to fear there. Notable players, they've not, not really got many. There's no sort of ex-league journeymans trundling about there. Ishmael Yakubu is one people might remember. He played a lot for Barnet quite a few times, about 300 appearances odd, I think it was. They do have a wing-back called Tony Little who scored 23 goals from left wing-back last season, which I just thought was... Sign him up. Sign him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly like getting him in on a temporary three-week or a month contract. But that's quite, quite a return from left wing-back. But so anyway, so that so there we are. Um, so predictions wise, I mean, I, I our team will be mixed. I mean, I'm assuming youngsters will come in. Mr. Burko, one one hopes. But um, yeah, what do we think? Just easy win from all, Jack. What do you think? Um, yes, the FA Cup and it. So I don't think it'll be completely easy. But I'd expect us to win by a couple of goals, maybe four one. That's three goals. I'm obviously tired. Never mind. <laughs> James, anyone you'd like to see particularly come in, or is uh, it just? I'd like to see Dan Aji. <laughs> he's just a, a mystery at the moment. I don't understand what the hell's going on with him, to be honest. Um, mm. But I expect him to start if he's fit, um, or even if he's not particularly fit. I just think he needs to get game time because it, it's looking like the most bizarre signing ever. Um, I'm gonna say we will win five nil. He's gone big, Connor. Yeah, you yeah wanna, I'm, you I'm go going. Bigger? I'm going five one. Uh, I'm going to go with Rob Hall, Sykesy, and uh, Dan Adji hat trick. Oh. <laughs> Dan Adji, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Like you say, though, it does. It does. It just depends on the team. It's going to be really interesting seeing what eleven, what type of eleven we we put out. But you expect it to be maybe not too dissimilar from some of the early League Cup fixtures that we had. Where there's like a blend of some youth and yeah. experience in there, maybe I'd like to maybe Lofthouse or someone get some minutes. Yeah, I was going to say Lofthouse and Lopez should should get some I'd time. Like to see Jack um, I think we'll, as well. We'll win solid. Yeah, it's another good call. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's Hayes and Yedding, right? So Connor, you're doing on this day and last pick. For us. Yeah. So uh, on this day, which is the 3rd of November, uh, we played Torquay United in 2010, so quite a few years ago now, and um, Torquay went down to to 10 men after after 10 minutes, and um, we subsequently went on to lose 2-0. We're from a uh, Damien Bat own goal, and uh, Billy Key was, was the, other, the other lad to score. So classic Oxford United, in the uh, well, it was the the N Power League Two, um, and funny enough, um, I, I I was I was expecting to see, um, uh, no, sorry, I don't know why I was expecting. We were talking about Nicky Rowe earlier, weren't we? Because Nicky Rowe was one of the players who played for Torquay during that game, and uh, we record his his winning goal against Wickham for us. Uh, I don't know what year that would have been. I don't know if any of you know that what what year that would have been in when he had a few little. Oh, games for know. us because I quite like Nicky Rowe because he was always a really good player to sign on football manager back in the day so uh, <laughs> I like it I like that anyway we can we, I'll go on. in that lineup, that's Lee Mansell Lee Mansell was this is after he played for us as well yeah. so there's a Lincoln Sabrowski was 
oh, has around this well, time, right? so we might have been after. Yeah. So there's a few bit of bit of links there. Elliot... I miss talking as a team to have in the league. Yeah, Elliot Benyon was that name that I'd never forgot either. He was pretty. He was a pretty potent striker yeah. at that level as well. I think he's now at Hazen Yedin. Is he? <laughs> he was. I think, I think so. he was. I, I saw. Gone. I saw this when I was checking and. Um, it must have been an out-of-date website because when I looked at the, their website and he's not listed, so I reckon he's moved on. Yeah, they they also had a, a Hemmings on the bench. Now, I can assure you that wasn't Kane Hemmings. Oh, I think Gritton, I think was Martin Gritton. I think he played for us very briefly. Interesting. Uh, but he certainly played for Plymouth a bit. All the links, all the links. Anyway, yeah. moving on to our, uh, you know, I reckon it's almost coveted, pretty famous now, last pick, 11. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's been getting quite a lot of. Yeah, we'll get, get triple figures in the votes. One yeah, get, get, <laughs> getting quite a lot of uh, noise on Twitter. Um, so obviously, uh, this week we're looking at, at wingers, aren't we? Um, we're gonna have so, to rattle through these. Yeah, so we've got quite a few on here. Um, I think one of the first ones we're we're, we're going to mention is uh, Isaac Buckley Ricketts, who we had on loan. Uh, two was it two seasons ago, wasn't it? Under the under Pep Clotet. And he was, yeah, I don't uh, think we need to talk about him. People know. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll move on. Because <laughs> yeah, we all know that he he lasted that famous what was it like nine minute substitution or something ridiculous. Um, oh God, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Courtney Pitt was another one. Uh, Lewis Haldane. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's slightly controversial. So well. but he cared he, he he cared more about his the the tone of his skin and his hairstyle <laughs> than he seemed to about football. Yeah, he, but he wasn't that effective, no. and it was he became a bit of a joke for the fans. But uh, anyway, I I flagged this one up earlier, but but Jack shot me down with a great response. I said, <laughs> "Was it with Gino Van Kessel?" And I said, "He's a striker." And Jack responded with. That's why he was so crap on the wing. <laughs> so I kind of like that. So Gino Van Kessel's also there. Um, and there's a few other names there that I have no idea who any of them are, other than actually one crap loan signing who I do know who it is. Christian Montero. That was a, yeah, that's a good shout that is. He was a bit dodgy. Um, but I know some of you boys know these players better than me. So if any of you want to take it away. Read them out. Michael Blackwood. Yeah, he, we signed him on. He's one of the, he's a random Chris Wilder loan signing from Kidderminster. I think he played like ten times, then went back. Um, I think other random loanies that Wilder went through: Andy Hayworth, John Frank, Simon Hackney. Um, I brought up Kieran Sanami. We signed on loan from QPR. Uh, he played, I think, three times for us. His debut was away at Rushton, where we lost five 0 live on Satanta. He scored an own goal. <laughs> and then his next in his next game, he was taken off at half time, so that that's quite impressive. Um, I think someone tweeted us saying about Dudu, um, who I think played forty five minutes maybe away at Berry one year. He kind of just turned up. No one knew really who he was. Um, he didn't really look like he knew who he was. Um, and yeah, so he he's get, he gets an honourable mention. It's a good name though, that isn't it. I guess we'll have to um, consolidate these down after the pod because otherwise we're going to end up discussing this for ages, aren't we? Anyway, right. I think we know who's probably going to win this one. <laughs> wow, there's, there's two who are probably going to compete quite strongly. Yeah. Us, but yeah. yeah, we'll put it out. Gino, Gino's arrogance was my favourite thing about him, by the way. So <laughs> he was so confident that he was the best player in the world. He wasn't. Let's move on. 
Oh crap, it's me, isn't it? Quiz. <laughs> uh, the reason why I forgot it was me is because I put very little effort into this this week because um, our very own Adam Slade, the Yorkshire Yellow, has uh, sent us a quiz to do. Uh, so this was, uh, what's it all about? It's basically about players who've joined us but have never touched a blade of grass during their time with oh, us. Wow. So, oh. Ten, oh, wow. ten players to get. I'm out of this straight some away. More, <laughs> some more niche than others, and there'll be a bonus question for each correct answer. Yeah, this is hard. If you bu- if you buzz in and call out a wrong answer, then you're frozen out. All right. right. Question one. Okay. Signed from Berry in 2018 by KR. Connor. Connor. Tucson die. Fantastic. Well done. Bonus. Uh, where was he born? Oh, uh, he's... Oh, fuck. Um, is it South Korea? Racist. Uh, no, it's Hong, Hong Kong. How <laughs> oh, uh, was that racist? Number two. Zimbabwean goalkeeper signed for Oxford in 1997. Jack. Jack. Bruce Grobola. Absolutely. I forgot this was a thing. I was like, what are you on about, Adam? And he was like, yeah. Anyway. Uh, bonus question. Which club did he move from? Oh, is he still at Liverpool there? Uh, no. Liverpool. <laughs> Question three. Another Pep Clotet special. Which Swedish international signed? Connor. Connor. Ivan Polanski. Oh, Ivan Polanski. Okay, that's fine. He's like, so I don't know how to pronounce his name wrong. I'm awfully sorry. Pekalski. All right. How many senior international caps did he have for Sweden? Three. Uh, he had two. Unlucky. Oh, come on, give it. us that. You're not it. Come no. on. Oh, no fresh God. You're wrong. Question God's four. Sake. Signed by the mighty Michael Appleton, this right back joined in 2015 after impressing on trial. Um, but he was soon loaned out to Cambridge. Jack. Jack. Cameron Gale. Fantastic. Oh, good, very great good. Great knowledge. Great Jack. shout. This is going all right. Well done, Adam. Uh, question five. Born in Hammersmith, this player signed in 2019 was loaned out to an Indian Premier League side. Connor. Connor. I just know his surname's Kashi. <laughs> mm. Does anyone remember the rest of it? Jack. Jack. Siddiqui. Yeah, you're having it. Unlucky Connor. Uh, come on! Nah. He doesn't have Siddiqui on the back of his shirt, does well, he? Isn't it? It's actually Kashif Siddiqui. So, you know. No, it's definitely another way around. We had another oh, player called right. Kashi. It wasn't him. Anyway, oh, okay. bonus. All right. All right. Which side is he on loan with now? Uh, oh, I actually know Kash- Kashmir? Absolutely correct. Well done. <sighs> uh, question six. Goalkeeper signed on a two-year contract for the Hudders... For the Huddersfield? I'm reading what Adam sent me. Adam, this is all your fault. Goalkeeper signed <laughs> on a two-year contract... I'm guessing that's from Huddersfield in the 2010-11 season, but it was Jack. released after one. Jack. It was Eastwood, wasn't that? It was Eastwood, absolutely. First time round. Uh, bonus, who did Eastwood sign for after being released from Oxford? Uh, Halifax. Absolutely, well done. Very good. 
He's running um, away this, with it. This John, this... Jo- this is a joke. Jack, you're just too right, good, yeah, mate. Yeah, but it's all pointless information, isn't it? It doesn't help me. <laughs> uh, mate, mate, it's, not, it's not pointless here. It's, <laughs> clever it's, prove it, it's proven it's worth, mate. Yeah, all of these days. Anyway, question seven. Highly rated centre-back signed from Celtic. Jack. Connor. Jack. I don't know how he pronounced oh. his name, but Fiaka Kelleher. Correct. Yeah. Who does he play for now? Uh, Macclesfield still. Bang on. Jesus. John, this break that you've had has has hit you, isn't it? Uh, No, I've got post-wedding, day-after-wedding fatigue as well. (laughs) So it's all all going wrong. Question eight. Uh, His father was most famously known for his time at Watford. His son, also a striker, signed from Watford. Connor. Connor. Jerome Sinclair. Incorrect. Uh, Jack uh, Dejon No Williams Correct <laughs> Okay How old was his dad when he made his Watford debut? To the day 17 He was 16 and 314 days You need oh. to get it bang on to get I mean rounded up is 17 but... <laughs> <laughs> Question nine, 18 year old signed from Reading on a one year deal in June 2013. This is hard. If you remember, I'll be impressed. Jack? Jack? We did have a youth lad called Paul Burton. Did he come from Reading? No. No, it's not him. It was Josh Sharma. <sighs> no, uh, question 10, final question. John, you got to get this. <laughs> after got to, yeah. After graduating in physics from Durham University, this 21-year-old Jack. sign, Jack, Johnny Giles, Johnny Giles, boom. Well done, Jack. I didn't have a bonus feature for that one. I should have made it like, what did he study, and then just said he went from uni. But there you go, Jack. You got ten. Connie got two, and John. I have nothing next to your name. How do you feel? Cogs weren't moving. They weren't even moving. I just couldn't get to it. I am actually impressed. I I thought that was going to be like three answers. People, I was impressed with that, to be fair, Jack. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, very good. John, commiserations, mate. Step up. (laughs) I've got to go. I must be in second place still (laughs) overall. I think you are. Yeah, you are. Even after taking three weeks off, so... I'll uh, just accept that one as an anomaly. There's the the (laughs) mic drop. Mic drop. John, he's off. Uh, I just took over Ben's lag this week, that's all. (laughs) So, what are we on? Uh, We're well over an hour, lads. Uh, So, our next pod, uh, we're we're debating whether or not we'll have a bit of a break going into next week um, on the back. So, the Hayes game's on the Sunday and we usually record on the Sunday, but I'm at a wedding on the Saturday, so might not have time. And it might be that our following league game against Ipswich, which would be our preview, would be called off anyway. So we may have a break for a couple of weeks, but we'll be back after that. Uh, our next league game after that is Southend, I think it is. Um, yeah, that looks right. But yeah, thanks for listening, peeps. As always, make sure you listen to the uh, the Fence End and the Thamesmen pods as well. We've got a nice little community of OUFC-themed podcasts going on at the moment. Um, it's great stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you maybe in a week or maybe in a couple of weeks, but have a good week. Cheers. Cheers.